1: Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. My name is Rock Thomas. I'm the host of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. And you might be wondering, why do I do this every single week? Why do I interview people and talk about the importance of money? Well, I'm here to help you create financial freedom and fulfillment. The whole life millionaire. If you're working harder than ever before and not seeing any progress, you're not alone. If you don't have a supportive environment or network to raise your personal standards of success, you're not alone. But I would like to invite you to jump on a call with somebody on my team so you can change all of that. Just head over to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and learn how you can take your life and business to the next level by being in the right environment, surrounded by the right people and with the right strategies. So go ahead, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, and let's start taking your life to the next level today. I got a bald guy that's coming on. He was deployed to the US Army, and during that period of time, he suffered a severe spinal injury that left him paralyzed. He actually died, not once, but twice. Sounds like a James Bond movie. On the table, the surgeon saved his life, and he's gonna tell us what that experience is like, what happened, what he saw on the other side, and how it led him to write a book called The Gift of Adversity, an absolute treat. He's also got a TED Talk called The Same Thing if you wanna check that out. And he describes himself in this manner, I'm an empowering teacher and coach, I'm an inspirational speaker and author, and I'm a beacon for others in the darkness of adversity. So I'm really, really stoked to have my guest, Marcus Aurelius Anderson join us today and there are so many gems that this podcast, you got to make sure that you listen to it more than once and that you can also maybe take some notes and grab some of the verbiage that he's going to share with you. Welcome to the podcast, Marcus.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here.
1: So, you know, we, we both don't have a lot of hair on our head and we have <laughs> that in common, uh, but we also have a history of overcoming adversity and Uh, And really finding a way to, you know, Tony says life isn't happening to you, it's happening for you. And I think that we embrace that quite, quite actively. So let's get a little bit of a background on where you came from. You have an amazing story of overcoming adversity far beyond anything I experienced. I'm anxious to hear about that. But tell us where you grew up and just give us a bit of background if you would.
0: Yes, Rock, thank you so much. I'm I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and originally grew up here, um, grew up before the internet, so I had to read analog books. And where I was located, when you hit about fourteen or fifteen, you could either try to do stuff for your own edification or you could go out and kind of get into trouble. So I started martial arts. I tried to learn how to play the guitar and I read as many books as I could get my hands on. Um, I tried to read Marcus Aurelius' book, Meditations, at about thirteen, and it went way over my head, but it led me to Taoism. Uh, it led me to the Tao Te Ching. And that was my gateway drug to start to understand Stoicism, to start to, start to understand some of these commonalities of truth. And uh, went to school, finished here. Uh, wasn't sure what, what I wanted to do in college like so many people. But um, lots of times whenever we're in, in a direction, that's whenever we start to have some of these things that cross our path that really give us an indication of where we should be going. And that's, uh, that's what happened to me.
1: So what did you spend most of your time doing in order to earn income in your twenties and thirties?
0: Back then I was a bartender, bartender, just making uh, it was interesting though, because that would help you learn a lot about a person's body language, a person's intention, a person's desired outcome, um, what their ulterior motive may or may not be. And then even do, doing martial arts so long, it actually helped me a lot too, because you would see what somebody would do when they were angry. You would see what they would do if they were upset or embarrassed And that has served me even to this day when you're coaching somebody, when you're speaking, when you're helping somebody, you can actually see what's really going on. Because so many times emotions assassinate the truth and that is translated directly into the body. So it's hard to to mask that when it happens.
1: Yeah, there's so many tells from the physical body and the way that people operate. And I think there's degrees of being able to read that. I grew up the youngest of seven and was bullied a lot. And if I didn't have eyes in the back of my head, and was able to read the room and what was gonna happen, I usually ended up with nothing. So out of survival, I became very good. I also was a bartender and you could mm. tell, right, which one guy was gonna take his drink and slam it down and get another one and the other one that was more interested in connecting and talking. And, and as you absorbed all of that information, I think it helped me a lot in the later years in my sales. How did you use picking up on people's signs and so on to, to help you navigate through life?
0: It was just like what you were saying. You could see who was going to be a problem, who was going to be a problem later. Uh, And like you said, a person walks to the door. So within about three seconds, I had to make eye contact with this person, say something to them to encourage them to want to give me money and to stay there and continue to pay three times the amount of money for this drink as they could if they went home. So again, you have to figure out how are they dressed, where are they looking, what are they doing? Are they looking for companionship? Are they looking for a person to connect with? And once you have that connection, like you say, They're going to go somewhere to get a drink anyway. Why not it be me? Why can't I help them in some way, shape, or form? So we were sort of like a modern day uh, pharmacist, if you will.
1: That's so cool. That's so cool. So tell us about um, the event that dramatically shifted your life.
0: Absolutely. So I joined the military at 38 years old. Um, I had gone through a divorce, and my great uncle, who was in Vietnam, was a a big role model for me. He, He passed as well. And I realized that my time was now if I was going to join the military at 38. Uh, got in on an age waiver because I was in great shape and I was able to do pretty well in the ASVAB. I was also in chiropractic school at the time. So and my idea was I'll, I have two years to finish my doctorate. I'll go ahead and put my degree on pause, go serve my country, come back, pay off all my loans, go out and serve my community with my hands. But as what happens so often in life is there's what we hope will happen. There's what we fear will happen. And then there's what actually happens. For me, preparing to deploy in 2012 with the 10th Mountain Light Infantry Division, I suffered a spinal injury that left me paralyzed from the neck down. A disc had ruptured in my neck, and I literally woke up paralyzed. So I tried to roll out of bed, and my neck would somewhat articulate, but my body would not. And I knew enough from chiropractic to know that this is either temporary or this is going to be something serious. Once it was a couple of moments, I yelled through the door, they come and get me. And uh, that's when my life changed. Got operated on. I died on the operating table twice, flatlined. Woke up in the ICU, and uh, they said the good news is you get to live tale to tell the tale. The bad news is this is what you're left with. And so, for so many of us, I, for me, I turned 40 years old in that bed, broke, divorced, bedridden, paralyzed, wondering what do I do. And for so many of us, we, our identity is wrapped in, wrapped up in what we do. It's wrapped up in our physicality. It's wrapped up in our job, and. For me, it was all stripped away from me. So it made me really take a good look at my life. I was very, very angry. But what I was angry about was I was angry at myself. I was angry at all the opportunity that I had taken for granted, all the physicality that was just easy for me, all the things that I said I would do tomorrow. They say you don't know what you got till it's gone, but that's not true. Rock, it's, we know what we have. We just assume that we will always have it. And so for me, that's, that was when it all came rushing back. And it was very, very difficult to, uh, to deal with that for months. I was literally suicidal, but I could not even act on it in my state.
1: So how long did this last for?
0: For me, it lasted for three months. I went through all that anger. I went through all that trying to process it. And then I finally realized that this anger wasn't helping me. It wasn't making me get better. If anything, it was impeding my capacity to actually recover. So I realized just like you and I know, I can either play the victim and stay like this and be unhappy and be miserable to everyone around me, or I could try to do something and making that decision to try to figure out where this adversity was pushing me because I'd resisted it for so long and it wasn't helping me. So I figured if it's pushing me a certain direction, I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to go with it and see what, what happens in martial arts. If a person is stronger than me and they push, if I'm on the same plane with them and I'm trying to go back, I, there's nothing I can do. I can't overcome them. But if I can blend, if I can surrender momentarily for a second, I can change that angle. And once that vector has changed, therein lies my opportunity.
1: Mm, Wow. I love that. So you actually use the force coming at you.
0: I did because it was, yeah, it was impossible to go against. And it was pushing me in this direction to start looking at, because I wanted to recover so badly, but it made me look at my hubris it made me look at the things i had taken for granted it made me look at my false gratitude because i was like everybody else where i was like oh i'm grateful for this stuff but i was grateful for the stuff that i liked right i wasn't grateful for everything in my life mm-hmm. right so the tony robbins what happens it doesn't happen mm-hmm. to me it happens for me it's easy to say that yes but but when you're in it yes it's different and that's yeah. why I, that's what i want to tell everybody right now if you're going through hardship if you're going through adversity listen to rock story listen to my story there's something in that, but the problem is if you're so close to it right now, it's hard to see it. So be open, figure out what it is. Where is the opportunity for you in
1: this? How do you help people or help yourself get to a point where when they're in it, they can look at it as truly like the universe is a, is a gym for your evolution. And, and to respond, like, I think the masters respond more rapidly Instead of afterwards, you know, oh, yeah, you'll laugh about that one day. Some people take 10 years. Some people are still pissed that they're divorced 10 years ago. How How do you accelerate that? What kind of wisdom, what kind of technique or tools could you help people to realize that?
0: Absolutely. Um, like I was saying before, emotion assassinates the truth and that's because we're so close to it. But what I it, adventure, what I want people to do is to go through and say, listen, I want you to get a piece of paper and I want you to write 10 at the very top and zero at the bottom and that's your adversity scale. So at the very top of that scale is the worst thing you've ever been through and then at the bottom of the scale, zero is heaven on earth. And be very, very honest about where are you on that scale right now. So if you're mad about your Starbucks that your latte is not hot enough if you're mad that you got cut (laughs) off in traffic, right? And we can blow these things up. If you're really, really honest and you step back, when you step back, it gives you a, a second to be really, really objective. And now you can take a breath and say, on a scale of one to 10, this is probably about a four, maybe a three. And then it helps us, again, we step back. And now just like Viktor Frankl, between stimulus and response, the gap therein lies our power. By doing this, something as simple as that, it allows you to expand that gap and it allows you to start seeing there is an opportunity in here. So for me, I, I was the victim and I was mad that why did this happen? This, isn't happen didn't it, this didn't help anybody. But then I realized if I'd have been in Afghanistan deployed when this happened, my team would have been put in danger. The helicopter that would have had to get me would have been in danger. And all there were dozens of other people whose lives would have been put in harm's way. And once I did that, that's when I was like, wow, I'm lucky. Lying in a bed paralyzed from the neck down saying, wow, I'm lucky. That's how it changes.
1: That's, that's quick. So one of the things that I've become acutely aware of with all this work, and you'd think I would have figured it out a long time ago, maybe I'm a little bit slow, but is that the inner narrative of most people is so awful. We beat ourselves up. The shoulda, woulda, coulda, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm too bald, whatever, <laughs> or, I'm not, or I'm not enough of this or that. And the practice I do when I do my yoga, I was telling you I do it every day now, is to really acknowledge myself. And it's not falling in love with myself, it's, not, it's just really looking at the effort I put into my yoga practice, looking at the time that I let that other person cut me off and not be upset. It's really like a, what I consider myself a great parent to the six or eight-year-old boy in me. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that you probably have some similar, similar thoughts or maybe a different perspective.
0: Absolutely. And I, the, the inner narrative is so important because first of all, people need to understand that the way that we talk to ourselves is eventually the way that we will talk to the people that we love the most, the people that are closest Mm. to us. Mm. So if you have an inner narrative and you're beating yourself up, or if you've been mad at somebody and you've lashed out verbally, think about how ugly that felt. Think about what the damage that you did. So if for no other reason, understand that you need to take care of this and quell this now so that you don't destroy the people around you because you do love them. And that's when you will start to have this understanding. For me, when I accepted adversity and got the lesson from it, my empathy increased Mm -hmm. exponentially. But who deserves the most empathy from us? We do. We need to give ourselves that empathy. So when you're doing yoga and you're saying, let go that's when you're able to get really in tune with what's going on. That's when you stop judging yourself. That's when you start saying, okay, I fell down here and that's okay. I'm not good enough at this yet. That's okay. But I'm going to endeavor to be worth it. And now let's celebrate the things that I am good at. Let's celebrate the things that I did overcome. Let's celebrate the adversity that I I embraced and overcame in the process of doing this.
1: Beautiful. What about taking responsibility for attracting problems into your life? taking ownership. One of the things I've learned because I grew up and I was emotionally abandoned and not, not helped and protected by my parents, I have recreated those environments in my world. I'll be, the, I'll be the dickhead on a football team and nobody wants to go for a drink with me afterwards because I made people look bad or I was an asshole. I am in a business environment and I'm, at, I'm encouraging everybody to cold call for 12 hours a day Because I was born on a farm and was given this tough, everybody should do it. And that's how you're going to get, my path is the right way, suck it up. And people would look at me and go, I don't want to be around that guy. And then I'd go like, why don't people want to be around me? Until I started to take ownership for co-creating every experience in my life. And it's been been a process, right? And it keeps on happening in different ways. What are your thoughts around that?
0: I, I absolutely agree with that. And it, and it is so true. It's, it's very easy for us to try to blame everybody else. But until we take complete responsibility for everything in our life, we cannot really change what's going on. And again, those cycles are the same. For so many of us, the best adversity for us is something that is drastic, like uh, something like a health scare or a, a natural disaster. Not that I'm wishing that on anybody, but I'm saying that it forces us to adapt right now. We as humans adapt quickly. And once mm-hmm. we figure out that we have to do this, now we go to that next level. We have no other choice. Mm-hmm. Adversity gives you no other choice. And when the choice, mm-hmm. when that's the choice, it's simple. But for so many of us, the adversity that we face is mediocrity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Every day, groundhog day, going to work, giving half half effort, not loving what you do, hitting Monday, living for the weekend. So you have to take that responsibility. You're eating food that you don't like, and yet you complain that your body's not in good shape. You don't take care of your body. You don't give yourself rest. You don't give yourself sleep. You don't do yoga. These are the things that you have to do. So until you take that responsibility of, of the things necessary, you're not going to be able to take responsibility of everything else. And unfortunately, like you said, you will start attracting other things that you have to take responsibility for, which may be a bad group of people around you, a bad health, bad mentality. And now you will never be able to get yourself out of that until you take that very first step.
1: What was it like if you can remember or had an experience to flatline? Was, was there an experience for you?
0: For me, it was dramatic. It was profound. I will never forget it. And it was darkness and cold. But it was the most peaceful I've ever felt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It felt like it was a moment and it felt like it was forever. And I've had people that have talked about different things or different beliefs, different ideas. Uh, different chemicals release whenever you die. Some people have, you know, spiritual things. Some people step out of their body. Some people see lights, whatever. I just looked at it as my opportunity to have a clean slate, hmm. to absorb truth irrespective of source. And now it gives me tremendous urgency to do the work that I do now, just like what you're doing, just like what everybody's doing, because I have this responsibility. This didn't happen to me for, by an accident. This, there was important stuff that happened. So I am doing everything I can to give this to as many people as will listen because you can't help people that don't want to be helped, but the people that do, I'm absolutely here, and that's, that's why we're having this conversation today, Rob.
1: Yeah, totally beautiful. Peace, peace, Shanti. It's, it's the thing that we seek, yet at the same time, I love what you said, that adversity forces adaptation. It forces us to evolve and to change. Yeah. And I like to put myself in situations that cause this, because I'm a growth-based person. Yeah. How do you Raise your vibration when it comes to gratitude. You referenced before. We go, oh, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that, and people, people do that. I have some things I've I've done to um, heighten mm. the vibration of my gratitude practice. Beautiful. What What do you do in that area?
0: So for me, a lot of people are doing uh, a half-hearted gratitude or a BS gratitude, and they hide behind it like it's a, a crutch or a philosophical shield, and they put their hands on their They put their, they sit on their hands and they say, as their life falls apart, as everything is happening to them, they go, Oh, but I'm grateful. And that is a defeated victim mentality is all that is. If you are grateful, I'm grateful for you. You can tell in my body language, you can tell the way I'm talking to you, that I am grateful for you. So if you are grateful for your life, you will act in that manner. Gratitude is a verb. It is an action. You go out and you do that. If you're grateful for your loved ones, you give them that. So the idea is for me, I want everybody, everybody writes down gratitudes, but what I would say is this at the end of the day, write down one thing that you had that made you mad, that pissed you off, write that down. And now that you have some moments to step away from it, ask yourself, where was the opportunity in that? What was the light that was being shined on a weakness or an insecurity or something that needs to be done or a work ethic? that you don't want to acknowledge. And if you can step back and see that now you can find gratitude. It's like, I'm grateful that this happened. I'm grateful that this person cut me off. I'm grateful that I didn't get this thing done in in this business environment because now I learn the reason why pain comes is because it is trying to get our attention. Mm -hmm. And that's why when adversity shows up, it shows up unannounced at the most inopportune time without apology. It couldn't care less about what you want. It doesn't give a damn about your feelings and it does not take no for an answer. That's it.
1: So now, if people want to get in touch with you, follow you, connect with you, and, and learn from your depth of experience, what are the best ways they can do that? Absolutely. They
0: can go to marcusareliasanderson.com. That's my website. That's the hub. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, by all means. If you heard me here on, in this incredible conversation with Rock, please tell me. Send me a message that says that. Send me an email that says that. Um, if they enjoy reading my book, it's called The Gift of Adversity. If they enjoy speaking. My TEDx talk is called The Gift of Adversity as well. And uh, my podcast is called Conscious Millionaire Epic Achiever, which I'm so looking forward to having you on there as well, my friend. You are going to bring so much, so much amazing quality, not value. I don't like the word value anymore. It doesn't mean anything.
1: Quality is what you have, Rob. Thank you. Thank you so much. So <clears throat> when you work with people, do you, do you do, um, bring them to an event? Do you uh, do a, a coaching process? What are some of the things that people can expect from you when they connect with you.
0: Absolutely. I've got live events that are coming up this year. And those are um, events more like a workshop kind of feel about 50 people where it's intimate and we get in there and we do all the messy stuff. And that's how we get to the next level. I do speak at a lot of places, but many times they're private. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when it comes to coaching with me again, we can do one-on-one coaching if you would like. A lot of CEOs will hire me as a executive coach. And then much like your experiences, they'll say, can you talk to my CFO? Can you talk to my COO? Can you talk mm-hmm. to my C suite executives? And now you can really get in there. And not only are you helping that one person, but because they are in such a position, now that energy and that information transcends. So it goes all the way through. So you have this multi million dollar company that's not only making a dollar, but they're making a difference. And it's changing the entire dynamic. And all the way through to the way that the customer feels the
1: experience, it's undeniable. Beautiful. So as you know, I talk a lot about the power of people's identity and their character and the way they see themselves and the way we describe ourselves to ourselves and, or the way we think others expect us to behave leads to how we show up in life. Absolutely. You've, you've written here that you are an empowering teacher and coach. I'm an inspirational speaker and author, and I'm a beacon for others in the darkness of adversity. How did you come to evolve through the different stages of your life? to create an empowering inner narrative because a lot of people from my experience just are, they think, Oh, that's just the way I am. I'm shy. I'm not a swimmer. (laughs) I didn't used to love yoga, honestly, Marcus. And through being in the right environments and being introduced to it, I decided to give myself a 75 day challenge to do yoga. And after about a dozen days I was hooked. And I started to call myself, I am a yogi. Mm. And now I'm taking yoga teacher training. So it started with a seed, then Mm -hmm. I hung on to it, then I identified with it, and then it became who I am. Not doing yoga daily is painful now for me. Beautiful. So tell us a little bit about maybe some of the things, labels you used to have that you've switched from and, and you've uploaded something new.
0: So I used to think that, like you were saying, I used to think that I was talented. I used to think that I was just naturally good at things. But what I found was when I would reach some sort of resistance, some sort of adversity and something that I was good at initially, I would just quit. Because I thought, oh, well, that's not for me. But with martial arts or with yoga or any of that kind of stuff, you realize that you don't even know what you're really made of until you butt up against that. Mm-hmm. And now adversity doesn't, doesn't tell you what you are, it strips away what you are not and it helps you get to what's really there. It gets to the brass tacks. So for me, that's when I started learning about myself. There was a girl that I had a crush on in the martial arts and we had a spar and she beat me up in front of everybody. I'm crying, not because she beat me up but because of the affection that I had for her. So for me, that was a big aha moment like, okay, am I gonna keep going? Am I going to allow my embarrassment? Am I going to allow my emotion to assassinate the truth of the situation? And that's when I started understanding the philosophy of the martial arts, understanding that I had to do that. So for me now, I am not talented. I am a student and I'm very proud of that. Every great Sifu, every great teacher, the best coaches and, and leaders have the heart of a student and the soul of a teacher and that is exactly what it is because they are just as excited to learn you and I if you coach somebody you will often learn as much if not more than that person will because you will see an insight from a different perspective that you may not have seen before and if we are open if we are a vessel if I'm willing to absorb truth irrespective of source irrespective of my belief for them or what they've said before if I can just absorb that it allows me to have a powerful content in my vessel and even if it doesn't serve me it allows me to serve others who may need that information And that's how I look at it.
1: Beautiful. Can you say that again? Heart of a student?
0: Um, Coaches and leaders have the heart of a student and the soul of a teacher.
1: That's it, soul of a teacher. So beautiful. I was reading somewhere else that talks about how if you take somebody who is, say, Tiger Woods or Kobe Bryant or something, or Michael Jordan, out of their context where they're amazing, like basketball, Michael Jordan, but then he went into baseball, He became the student. He became hungry to learn and, and humble in that environment. Yes. And I so love that because I think you've heard this before. How you do anything is how you do everything. Absolutely. And if you're a passionate, curious student about how about everything, then life is just so much more interesting. And that's the type of person I'm attracted to. Yep. Like I have a few buddies I hang out with, and he says, well, "What are you reading right now?" And I go that, and he'll pull out his journal. He'll start taking notes while we're in the car, and and you know it's just so exciting. And then I'll ask him, and it's back and forth, and the energy's flying, and you get into that flow state. Yes, and it feels so wonderful because mediocrity is not part of the conversation. No, I agree. So beautiful, beautiful. Tell us a little bit about your life now. Are you um, are you a, a guy that works? 12, 14 hours a day? Are you currently um, spending time with family and friends? Are you out active? What does your life look like?
0: So it it depends on what I have going. Uh, Like yourself, we understand how business will undulate and certain deadlines or pushes make things happen. But for me, I'm I'm out there working with people as much as I can, whether it be a live events, whether it be speaking, uh, doing stuff virtually whenever I'm coaching. But I do absolutely enjoy being able to be, that's why I love being in, in Oklahoma. I can go to LA for a week or two. I can go to New York for a couple of weeks and I can do a lot of work and I can sprint. Mm-hmm. I can intellectually sprint
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: I can come back here and I can get that breath and I can really be down to earth and be present and, and reground. And like you said, I can go outside and, and hike and, and do all these different things. And that's what's so important to me. But I also love the adventure. I love that idea. I love what you said also about the way that you do one thing is the way that you do everything. And that's what the way it is. The way that we behave in the heat of adversity dictates how we do everything else in our life. So now like you and I, what do we do? We find micro adversity. We find things to challenge us, whether it be a workout, whether it be a a book, whether it be an article. Why do I disagree with this? Why do I feel threatened by this? Uh, This is something I've never done before. Yoga, all these different things. And those micro adversities strengthen us. And then that overlying effect is what the mental resilience builds. Now the belief in ourselves gets stronger. Now we elevate and that elevates everyone around us. So every choice that we make is either elevating us and therefore everyone else or we going the other direction. So that's why it's so important to be very cognizant of your intention.
1: Do you have some, something like this where you ask yourself a question when things are going poorly? For me, it's what's great about this to direct my focus to the gift, to the lesson, to the learning that's being presented to me by what appears to be something that I don't wanna have. I think a lot of people's unhappiness comes from not accepting what is. Yes. Oh, I wish it wasn't raining, it's raining, now I'm upset. Or I wish that there was no competition and that I could make money easily, and I'm upset. Instead of looking at the competition and going, all right, this is awesome, a worthy opponent. How do I step up and grow?
0: That's exactly it, And, and that's how it is. The physical manifestation of adversity is an adversary, it's an opponent. And though it feels counterintuitive, an adversary is our best teacher because they will pull no punches. They wear their hate for you openly on their sleeve. It's impossible to misconstrue their intent, but yet that honesty is what you have to have. Mm -hmm. So if you have an honest coach that's telling you, listen, you're dropping your hand, listen, you're not really pushing yourself, listen, you're not doing the work, and they kick you in the ass a little bit, that's what we have to have. But again, you have to have that balance of compassion and love. So you coach from that place of love and compassion, but you also make them call them on their BS and push them forward. And it's hard for us to do that to ourselves. But just like you said, having that question, where's the gift in this adversity? Uh, Jerry Colonna recently said a question that I thought was brilliant, where he says, in the situation that I claim that I don't want, how have I been complicit?
1: Mm.
0: Wow. And for me, that hit me because I was going through something at that time. And just like you said, we, we have all this knowledge and all this experience yet, you know, knowing is not enough, it's what we apply consistently. And that's what it all comes down to. So that, that to me was a really aha moment with that question.
1: So I have a model that I use, tell me what you think about it for, for coaching and motivating people. And I believe that based on where we came from in our background, we use a different strategy. So my father used a lot of challenging situations to help me grow because he was put in a lot of challenging situations. But I learned later through all the coaching I've done and getting feedback that people need these three ingredients. One is to be challenged at the appropriate time. The other one is to be encouraged and the other one is to be supported. Hmm. And I look at it like a tree growing in the soil. The soil supports the tree. Too dry doesn't grow too soggy, too much support. You have a swamp. A parent that does the child's homework, makes their lunch, puts them to bed, brushes their teeth, they grow a soggy child that can handle the adversity of the world. But without any sun, the tree doesn't grow. With too much sun, it's a desert. So the right amount of encouragement at a time when you're struggling, you don't believe in yourself, and somebody comes along and says, you got this, you can do this. And this tree grows. And of course, without any wind, you don't strengthen the roots of the tree. So you need somebody to tell you, Hey, you're dropping your hand, step up. You can do better. Uh, Give me another 10 push-ups. Come on, go, go, go. And I think that's one of the reasons that people go to yoga classes or whatever is because try to do yoga for an hour on your own at home. Something's going to happen where you're either not supported, encouraged or challenged at the right time. And you're going to give up. So what do you think of those three ingredients when you're coaching and motivating people?
0: I think that's absolutely true. And I think that, like you said, the the timing is what's so important. There's times when I work with businesses and they have an idea of what their problems are, but they don't know the timing. They don't understand which one should they solve the problem for first. Why is that important? Why, if I'm chasing symptomatology, I need to find the cause. So just like what you're saying, you can give me all the support that you want, but if, if I'm in a soggy environment, that's probably not the right timing. And that's where the beauty of understanding not only to be a student, but to be a teacher, to have been in that position enough times to recognize it in somebody else. And again, just like uh, if we watch a fighter in the ring, it's easy for us outside of the adversity to watch them drop their hand. When we have a friend who is in a, a horrible toxic relationship and we see them fighting and it's like, why are they in that? Again, because we're outside of that. So understanding that is what's so important and then being able to have that capacity to try to recognize it within ourselves is, is also, therein lies the rub, right?
1: What's something you're working on on yourself right now?
0: On myself right now, it's to find that blend. Uh, I know the balance is, is sort of a fallacy. So for me, it's that blend of being able to say, listen, my family is the most important thing right now and that's what I'm going to focus on. And I will allow other things in business or let my team take care of things now where before I used to be more of a hands-on kind of person. And then I have a lot of speaking that's gonna be happening this year. So just trying to get myself mentally resolved for that. And in, in our lives, it's not a it's not a, a marathon and it's not a sprint. It's a marathon of sprints. So I'm trying to focus on what's truly important, making those things a priority as opposed to being scattered, which is a uh, can be easy at times in this environment.
1: So I've never done this before, but it's just, it's bubbling up for me. So I'm gonna say, say somebody, and you're gonna say one word to describe that person. Okay. The identity. Tony Robbins. Motivational. Ed Milet.
0: Amazing.
1: Um, Richard Branson.
0: Revolutionary.
1: Elon Musk. Uh, Visionary. Steve Jobs. A legend. Gandhi, leadership. Cool. I don't know why we did that. It just no, I like love it. To do. No, <laughs> I love
0: it. That that's brilliant. I, I, and all those people, like you said, tremendous and leaders in their own capacity. And they uh, they found their strength and they lean into that.
1: Yeah, yeah, amazing. We could talk all day long. <laughs> I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, but people have to get to work or whatever. If they're listening to this podcast on the way to work, I hope that they um, they they had a chance to uh, take some notes. And if they didn't, I encourage people to re-listen to this one. There's so many beautiful gems. I'm gonna put some of those in the notes. And of course, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll give them a spot where they can reach out to you so they have all that information. I feel like I've got a new friend. Absolutely. Real pleasure to meet you. And wanna remind everybody that you can uh, listen to the podcast, of course, at any time and share it with friends if you like it and write a great review. And at the same time, Be intentional about your inner narrative and find some words that describe you in a way that you're gonna be proud of your future self and and be kind to yourself. Be empathetic and take care of the little six and eight-year-old kid in you by acknowledging the effort that you put into life. And we'll see you on the next podcast. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show
0: One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the
1: life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.